0: You're listening to the Law Careers Net podcast, a monthly podcast providing you with everything you need to know about becoming a lawyer. Hello, and welcome back to the Law Careers Net podcast. Now, in this episode, we are going to do things a little differently. The theme of this episode is becoming a barrister and rather than listen to me talk about it we thought that the best way to understand the process of becoming a barrister would be to chat to somebody who is actually going through it right now. So we sat down with Blessing Makosha Park. She's one of our vloggers here at Law Careers Net, and she's also a blogger, podcaster, and a current BPTC student who has just been sitting her exams. So she talked us through her journey to the bar so far, how she has found the whole experience, and she offered her advice to those considering becoming a barrister. Blessing. Uh, thank you for sitting with me here today and having a chat. Um, so, I guess what the first question would be would be uh, what made you decide that you wanted to become a barrister?
1: I think I saw a lot of examples um, from my mum uh, who works with vulnerable adults and works in the community, and I saw f- for An example of what it means to be in a public service role and to actually serve the community and work on behalf of people and I think that's how I always knew growing up in that environment and spending every day after school in the office I always knew that whatever I did it it had to be something where I would help people and actually make a tangible difference in their life Um, and then as I started going to school and learning about um, things in sort of history and Um, becoming more interested in understanding our country's history I then understood a lot about injustice and the fact that even though you know I was a really happy kid and I didn't experience any um, you know injustice in my own life I still saw everyday injustice you know things like kids getting bullied I saw things um, that were wrong like on TV and in the news and I wanted to be in some sort of role that I could help with that then I later found out about barristers and then it sort of clicked together and I thought well great I can have this job now where I can actually help people Um, I can talk all day and argue all day which is (laughs) is definitely um, my favourite hobby Um, and yeah so that's how the first inspiration sort of started for me
0: And could you kind of talk us through your journey so far? So where are you now? um, What steps have you taken so far on this journey to becoming a barrister?
1: So I'm very nearly towards the end of my BBTC. Um, I essentially just have two exams left uh, at the end of... Uh, the month Uh, so in three weeks I'll be completely done Um, and then so I've applied for pupillage for the first time this year and I've obviously completed the GDL and my undergraduate degree so I'm nearly 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 going to be called soon.
0: And what did you study for your undergrad?
1: I studied history and politics.
0: Okay and how did you find kind of coming across from the non-law degree to, to the law
1: I thought it was great. It was an intentional decision that I made. I didn't actually want to study law as an undergraduate um, because, like I mentioned before, part of the reason why I wanted to become a barrister was doing things like history in school and learning about um, all these different lived experiences people had. So I really wanted to understand the shape of our society because law is essentially the rules that govern our society. So I wanted to understand everything before I jumped into my legal studies um and i thought it was great uh, whilst i was doing my undergraduate actually i was non law representative for the law society so i did a lot of events in collaboration with the history society and lawyers um and firms as well kept saying over and over again they really do value um people who've done non law degrees mm. and i think they make up at least 50% or if not more of yeah, the I legal think profession it's about that, yeah yeah
0: Cool, so could you kind of run us through what the BPTC is, maybe start with what it stands for, yes. what you do on it, and then I guess kind of say how you've found it, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of um, listeners and uh, LCN readers kind of don't really understand what, what it is. So, Right,
1: so it stands for the Bar Professional Training Course, um, and essentially what the BPTC does is it does two things. It gives you the... Um, sort of theoretical framework that you'll need to hang your future career as a barrister on so you learn about the criminal procedure rules and the entire litigation process in our criminal courts um, then you also learn about the civil uh, procedurals and our civil litigation process in our civil courts. Um, you don't learn about uh, things more niche areas like the family uh, courts, unless you do like a family elective module at mm-hmm. the end. But overall you get the criminal and the civil, which is the main branches. Um, and then you do skills subjects. So you learn things like opinion writing, drafting and advocacy. So we all know, you know, cross-examination is the most obvious one everybody thinks of, but you also learn how to chief a witness. So that's when you have your own witness and you sort of prep them for questions um, and make sure they go over their own statement. Um, And you learn how to do that in both a civil context and a criminal context. Um, And you also learn how to do civil advocacy, which was my personal favourite. So that's um, things in the civil courts. So things like um, applications to judges for... Um, it may sound like I'm speaking a different language so things like <laughs> interim and interim injunctions uh, you learn how to do that uh, relief from sanctions which will all make sense once you start the course but um, yeah you basically learn those basic skills and what the BBTC is theoretically designed to do is to prepare you for pupillage um, so that once you start pupillage you've got to background. Um, There's a difference amongst the profession, I would say, and amongst students as well on just how relevant the BBTC is to people. So my advice I would say to people is to think of the BBTC course as the first chance you get to practice being a professional. It's not a chance for you to be perfect. I would say aiming for perfection on BPTC is difficult because you've never done these things before. Mm. You know, who's drafted an opinion before they started the BPTC? What you should try and do is figure out what your working style is. That's what I spent the majority of the course doing.
0: So it's a year-long course, that's right. Yes. Um, And you have to do that in order to secure a pupillage. You have to have done the BPTC. You have to have done the BPTC.
1: So you can do it part-time over two years, or you do it full-time over one, um, and you need to do it in order to uh, complete, start your pupillage. So it's possible to get pupillage before the BBTC, which some people do, but you can't start without it mm-hmm. because if you don't do the BBTC, you don't get called to the bar, you're not qualified. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, there was a story in the news uh, a couple of weeks ago about someone who actually hadn't uh, completed their BBTC qualification. Oh, really? But started the, yeah, so oh, they started their pupillage without having finished their exam, so they're not actually a barrister. Yeah. Um, so it's essential it's an essential step you can't get around it but like i said if you treat it as an opportunity to practice being a professional so I learned how to do things like start getting up at 7am to do a bit of work before the day starts didn't know I could do that before <laughs> um
0: that's not the typical undergrad, not student, typical student, life, undergrad student
1: life it's not that's another thing the BBTC is not like your undergraduate degree it's not going to be like your postgraduate degree um it's not going to be like anything you've done before mm. because it is a professional training course um and if you've got friends or you know of people who've done things like accountancy course courses or other sort of similar professional training courses, you'll know that it's not the same because you're now learning how to manage this alongside sort of everyday life work. A lot of people on the BOTC work part time. So you learn how to get that balance um, and I would say really take the time to figure out what your what your professional working style is and how to maintain that healthy balance, which is difficult, but it's possible.
0: So you've mentioned pupillage, which is what you're currently applying for. Could mm. you t- kind of talk us through now what pupillage is, how yeah. you get it, what work experience you might need, how you kind of go about um, knowing who to apply to?
1: So completing okay. the BPTC, unfortunately, isn't enough. Um, <laughs> you then have to do the very last hurdle, which is pupillage. So pupillage um, is essentially a 12-month vocational um training period where you split it split up into six months so you'll hear into people say the first six and the second six so what you do is you get a pupillage supervisor in a chambers um, and then they will essentially be your mentor um, you a lot of chambers will give you multiple supervisors over the entire 12 months and you essentially start by watching what they do and shadowing what they do so different chambers structure their pupillages differently but the typical pupilage will look like this um, you'll start at the first six months you'll follow your supervisor around When they do work, you'll also do work um, to sort of get an idea of how they've done it and get feedback on yours. Uh, So once you've been doing that for six months, you then get your um, provisional practicing certificate. Um, so you're now able to go into court on your own. So that's what's it's called being on your feet. So that happens about April time. So the second six months, you're now essentially a baby barrister on your feet, going to court, um, taking on small matters on your own, um, and then your supervisor will be giving you feedback. And then the final stage is the tenancy decision, um, because barristers' chambers aren't like law firms. Um, it's solicitors' firm. Sorry, it's you get there for life. So when you get a tenancy, you are. It's imagine it sort of like buying a house and it's yours now. So you get a spot in chambers essentially forever. It's yours, um, and that's a big decision. It's a difficult decision. Not everybody who uh, completes a pupillage at the chambers uh, gets a tenancy, but um, it's the essential last step. Then once you're a tenant, you're good now you got can just you've got a job for life you just keep going um yeah. and then your career really starts
0: great so we actually um put to our instagram followers if they had any questions uh for you so someone actually asked how hard is it to secure pupillage and i'm sure you're in a great position to talk about that as you're <laughs> currently trying um pupillage
1: is extraordinarily difficult to get and it may be worth for context to understand how pupilage has changed over the years. So we've now got a pupillage recruitment system we've got the pupillage gateway and there's actual you know guidance for how chambers are to structure their pupillages uh, a, couple, a few years ago i'd say i'm estimating maybe 50 years ago but it was a while ago now um pupillage wasn't as structured as this you sort of got pupillage by knowing someone or you got offered it it was a very you know it's like a tap on the shoulder sort of thing um, and there used to be a similar amount of pupilages as there were spaces on the uh, bar course. Um, things are different now. There's about 400, I think there was 413 pupilages offered last year. Um, contrast that to the fact that almost 800 people got called wow. to the bar last year yeah. so there is fierce competition and that's not just that year's round of applicants there's you're able to apply for people for three years after you've completed the BBTC until your uh, qualification expires it's three or five years so each round you're against a, a, a good couple of thousand people um, and then you obviously have very popular areas of law you have different types of chambers so That's the context behind pupillage. It's very much a a, a very challenging thing to get. So one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten and something I try and say to people a lot is that pupillage is not the be all and end all. You've got a lot of personal growth um, that you can go through, a lot of things that you can do uh, beyond pupillage. Um, And so that securing pupillage is great and that's obviously the ultimate goal, but it's not the only goal. Um, and, and, so, and that's just a bit of context. So the reason why pupillage is hard to get is like I mentioned, what you're really going for is a tenancy. And most chambers will recruit pupils with the view of they're going to be a tenant, they're gonna be there for life. So the difficulty with pupillage is essentially convincing the chambers that you're the kind of person they'll want to work with for 30 years or more Um, so that's where the challenge really lies it is a personality exercise and it does require you to have very good um, sense of yourself to know how you appear to others so therefore you know which chambers would really appeal to you Um, and the challenge as well is figuring out how to essentially present yourself in a way that is going to ensure that you get through the door because there's very different stages. There's the written application stage. So that's, like I mentioned, the pupillage gateway. Some chambers aren't on the gateway, so they have different deadlines. But you write that written application, that's stage one. And it's called the paper sift. Um, And once you've made it through the paper sift, you get a first round interview. Um, and then once you've made it through the first round, you get a second round interview. So different chambers structure each of those stages differently, but you can essentially understand that it's a it's a long process with a lot of hurdles to get through. So having that strong sense of your identity and knowing um, what kind of spaces you want to be in and knowing what kind of people you like to be around will be the best um, way to navigate the challenging process of pupillage
0: and how do you decide which chambers to apply to you said it's kind of making sure that your personality fits with Mm. them but I'm sure there's a lot more to thinking about it as well
1: there's a lot more to it so what I did um I didn't apply for pupillage on the GDL which was sort of the first time I would have applied if I had because what I wanted to do was get to know these chambers You know chambers website will it's mostly geared towards instructing solicitors it's geared to get them business so that's not always going to give you the truest reflection of what it's like to work there what will give you that is networking going to events Uh, i used to try and a lot of chambers do things like free seminars Um, I used to just get myself a little spot on those Mm and um, mingle and see what it was like on the inside. But the main thing I did is I created a spreadsheet, essentially, um, and I came up with my non-negotiables. So things I just wanted to have in my work environment. I wanted a chambers that was modern. So more often than not, the chambers I applied to had social media and were active on social media and were very open and transparent and in interacting with aspiring barristers or they were present at conferences and uh, they actually were trying to make sure that they were reaching out to a wide demographic of people so that was a big thing for me i made sure that the chambers i wanted did that so that narrowed things down um, another thing for me is areas of law i wanted to know that there was um, a strong public law offering um, obviously the chambers can. Chambers tend to do lots of different things, but I wanted to know that I was going to have a chance to do that. Um, and the third thing I looked for is just whether I felt comfortable. In that, when I was around members of that chambers, when I was at, at the chambers, at things like the open evenings, I made sure that, do I feel like I can be myself? Do I feel like I can actually have conversations with the people here? Um, like I mentioned because it's so much of a personality exercise sometimes you can feel like you're performing Um, and that's where a lot of these conversations about imposter syndrome come in because you don't feel like you can just be yourself you feel like you have to be a certain image of something in order to fit in in that space and I'd say if you feel like that that chambers probably isn't for you or you need to adjust your mindset and understand that you can enter spaces and belong there so i'd say that's how you pick your chambers come up with a set of criteria and then apply that to what's available because more often than not if you've got a strong idea of what you want and you identify chambers who fit that you're probably more likely to be that kind of person because you want what they're offering and it comes together yeah
0: If you're an undergraduate student and you're kind of listening to this and thinking this all sounds great but I'm not really sure what I want kind of I don't know what area of law I want to go into Mm -hmm. you know what kind of work experience can people get what kind of things can people do to kind of give them a better idea you know boost their CV and Mm -hmm. find out for themselves what what they want? Oh you can do anything so
1: my first year summer first year I volunteered in citizens citizens advice for the entire summer that showed me I saw all sorts of things there I saw uh, this you tend to see the start of the proceedings. So I saw things like um, family, I saw crime, I saw um, immigration, I saw housing, and that was just from understanding what people's problem were. Were um, And that's, that's what you do as a, as a barrister. You respond to your client's needs. So that's the first time I really got to start seeing things. So that gave me an idea when I was an undergrad um, then there was doing um, you can do pro bono volunteering. Um, it's easier for LLB students to get involved with pro bono at the start um, sorry during their undergrad. So pro bono is essentially uh, volunteering um, for in legal organizations so you can do all sorts of different things. Um, but the benefit of doing pro bono work is like I mentioned before, you actually get to see, real cases, you get to actually understand, oh, okay, so this is what goes on in family law, or this is how you have to treat issues in criminal law. And that's what gives you an idea. Um, and you can do pro bono, like I mentioned, during the year as an, as a student, you can do it in the summer. And the most um, effective ones, I would say mini-pupillages. Um, mini-pupillages are great because what you get to do is you get to see the barristers doing it. You get to go to court. Um, and I'd also mention that it's not strictly work experience, but you can go to court for free. So I used to just go into court and sit there and see what would come up. And it's still good experience. It's still isn't good there, experience. You know? it's right. still kind of
0: getting you in, getting you off your foot in the door, and kind of understanding, that mm-hmm. like immersing yourself in the world. Yeah, we definitely mm-hmm. would so advise
1: that. So as, well. as much immersion as you can get. And what you do after that is, if you double, uh, sorry, if you couple that with competitions like mooting competitions or advocacy competitions, essay competitions you start to get a clearer understanding of oh this is what I'm good at or this is what I'm happy to spend all night Mm -hmm. researching because I actually find it fascinating that's more likely to give you an indication of what you want.
0: Somebody else um, asked us on our Instagram they said I am interested in criminal law slash advocacy where can I seek experience for that particularly?
1: So for criminal law um Criminal, what what I think is good about criminal um, advocacy is that th- I've noticed that a lot of my friends who have got criminal pupillages or a lot of criminal barristers I've met don't really mind how you get it. So that can be anything from, I know somebody who um, used to do um, comedy shows. Wow. Yes. So that got them used to being in front of people, yeah. it got them used to... Um, speaking and being uh, and knowing how to communicate with your audience, communicate different feelings and emotions. Uh, Same thing with uh, drama. So lot of thespians become criminal barristers. Um, So it's not necessarily that it has to have a strict label of criminal or advocacy on it. As long as you're practicing those skills that are inherent in advocacy, knowing how to connect to your listener, knowing how to organize your thoughts, you can do that in any way that works for you that's in line with what you're already doing Um, so there's so many different ways that you could get that experience the obvious ones like I've mentioned before are mooting are advocacy competitions but you can get that experience anyway Um, as long as you're in front of people and you're getting out of your comfort zone to the point that you're extremely comfortable then you know you're getting the right experience
0: Somebody else has asked um, a very important question saying, so how can you afford everything, um, especially if you're just from a kind of normal working class background? I think the bar has a bit of a reputation mm-hmm. um, for kind of being elitist, full of, you know, people who've mm-hmm. been to Oxford or Cambridge. Um, obviously, the BPTC is an expensive course, mm-hmm. um, but there are loans out there and there are kind of funding options, aren't there?
1: Yeah, so uh, some context, again, The the reason why... Uh, a lot of people ask questions like this is because it's not just the price of the courses because the BBTC courses, it'll range anywhere from about 13,000 to nearly 20,000. That's with no scholarship, no no funding. And then on top of that, there are lots of other small costs that can add up. So doing the mandatory tests before the BBTC, the BCAT will be £150, I think it is. Applying for membership to an in-of-court costs money um so many different costs can add up so there's different ways to go about it and the main way is by getting a scholarship from the Inns of court. so there's four inns of court which uh, which is something that you can look up as well and they all offer scholarships um, the majority of them are means tested so if you need the if you need money to fund the course um, and you you know get through the interview and application stage then you can get a scholarship to cover your course fees Um, Another thing is that most, sorry, all of the law schools offer scholarships too. Um, I know people who have gotten a combination of different scholarships, which have covered their entire fees. Um, And the good thing about it is that most of them will let you know quite early if you've got one so that you can make plans. If you don't get an in scholarship, for example, you can sort out your law school scholarship. Another way to do it, which is less attractive, but it's still possible, is by uh, taking out a loan. Um, I do know some people who've done that. And another um, thing to do, quite tactical, is if you do the BPTC as an LLM option, you can actually get the master's funding from student finance. Oh, wow. So you can cover it that way. Um, so essentially similar to how you did it on your undergraduate degree. It does mean you know you do get the student debt thing, but Um, it's it's another way to get those fees covered um, is to do it that way as well.
0: Great. And, and for the last question, um, somebody else on Instagram asked, what advice would you give to students on the LLB? So maybe if you could think of just one, one thing that you, you would give as a, p- a good piece of advice.
1: Stay focused and work hard because those module grades will matter. A lot of uh, being a non-law student, it's not that we get away with anything because we still have to work hard during our undergraduate degree. But I would say that if you are a law student, those grades matter a lot so even if it's boring it's difficult make sure that you're really giving your 110% throughout your llb even those first year grades matter
0: great thank you so much for coming in today thank you for having me Huge thank you to Blessing for coming in to have a chat with us today and hopefully that's made things a little clearer for those of you who are confused about the barrister career path. You can follow Blessing on her Twitter at BlessingMacosha, read her blog at blessingatthebar.com and listen to her podcast which is called Legal Tea with B. On Law Careers Net we have a whole barrister section which contains a comprehensive list of pupillage deadlines as well as advice and videos on becoming a barrister. There's also more details on the barrister career path, how to fund your studies as well as information about different barrister practice areas. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Law Careers Net UK and let us know what you thought about this episode with the hashtag LCN podcast. We did a survey on Twitter recently and you told us that you would like to hear an episode about making training contract applications. So that is what we are working on right now and keep an eye out for that in the next month or so. Thank you for listening.